With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of a, of a, I don't know, for lack of a better word, a, 
an old episode, a lost episode of the Three Stooges, and I, I think I'm the fourth Stooge sometimes. You're listening to A Cup of Joe. This is a podcast that's brought to you by the Human Solution International and the Coffee Party Radio Network. And uh, I've got this weird echo going on in this feed, and I don't know what to do about it, but hopefully it's not too obnoxious. Um, I hear breathing, but I don't know where it's coming from, and I'm not sure what the hell is happening. So somehow there's a second feed going on, and its uh, I don't see it. Maybe Oh, you know what? It's Halloween coming up. Maybe it's ghosts. It could very well be ghosts. So maybe next time there won't be ghosts. All right, well, welcome to the show. This is A Cup of Joe's, and this is a show that's about making change in the world, making the world a better place, doing things that very few people have ever been willing to do. Uh, This is a show brought to you by the Human Solution International. We're a civil rights 501c3. Actually, we've decided to, I don't know, or at least I've decided to focus on the fact that we're a human rights organization, a civil rights sometimes has a very narrow focus, and it's not, what we're about isn't about that narrow focus. What we're about is about our basic rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, somehow we're still, uh, we're still got ghosts in the house. So if you can make the ghosts go away, this will be a much, much better show, folks. Oh, my God. I love this. I love this. New technology. Anyways, this is being live-streamed on Facebook on the Human Solution International uh, page. At least it's supposed to be. It's a Zoom feed, so uh, what's supposed to be happening is any guests that are calling in have a link to the Zoom, and they'll be able to, you guys will be able to see not only me talking to my telephone, but the other people that are talking. So um, I'm hoping that this all, all plays out good. Uh, at this very particular moment, I don't have a screener, so the five P's, prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance, maybe it's six P's, is in play right now. Um, hopefully we can get ourselves a nice screener and we can actually have a show that will make a lot of sense. That's what I'm hoping for today. Anyways, we're coming back. We were a week off of the show last week, and last week was a huge week. An amazing week, and so much happened, it's going to take me probably most of the show to even talk about it. But um, I was in Missouri last Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and the Human Solution International got together with a number of other activists, and we held our first rally for our Walk for Change. This is the Walk for Change that is going to Walk across America. Oh my God! Please, people. We're 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 hearing you guys, folks, in the background. Please find some way to make that go away. Anyways, so the Walk for Change. It's an amazing uh, event that's going to begin next June, and we're going to be walking across America from Southern California at a point yet determined all the way to Washington, D.C. And why are we walking? Well, we're walking for change, and it's not just any old change, but it's getting our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness back. These are rights that were 
identified by our founding fathers as bestowed upon us by our creator, and yet they've been stripped away by our government, the very same government that is supposed to be held accountable. So we're going to be holding them accountable. just so happens that this Walk for Change is going to be occurring right at the end of an election cycle. So we're going to be walking uh, during the prime time of, of candidates' election pitches. They're going to be out there stumping hard, and we're going to give them an opportunity. Everywhere we go, we're going to – oh, good, Becca, thank you. I love you. We have a screener in the house, and we're going to be able to make some sense of all this mayhem and chaos very soon. Um, so we're going to be beginning this walk in California somewhere, and uh, we're going to trek across the southern end of the of the country, and we're going to end up in Washington, D.C. All along the way, we're going to be having rallies. We're going to be having um, events. We're going to be having uh, little mini walks that are going to be happening um, in, in parallel places so that anybody who, you know, has got a group of 10, 20, 50, 100 people together that can walk for a mile west to east, they can join this and be a part of it. And what are we walking for? Well, we're walking for our rights. How many of our rights have uh, been taken away from us? You know, imagine what it would have been like 220 years ago. And the things that we could have done then that we cannot do now, things that were not considered to be a problem then that are considered a problem now, one of them being possessing, cultivating, distributing, driving across state lines, the cannabis plant. Because back when this country was founded, it was not a crime. In fact, it was encouraged to grow these cannabis plants. They called them hemp. And uh, that's entirely another topic. But the point is, as we discussed so many times, the whole concept of cannabis prohibition and the ridiculous laws that have been passed, these Trojan horses that have made us all think, oh, everything's cool, um, it's a clusterfuck, people. It's, 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 we live in a world where there's more people getting arrested for cannabis today than ever before, and there's more places where it's legal to do it than ever before, except for since before, you know, say 1970. And everybody's scratching their head. People don't understand. They don't get that we still have a problem. And so we're here to march and to talk about it. There's still this giant echo going on. Maybe put a tape over the microphone or whatever. Um, and so, again, our focus is on ending cannabis prohibition, creating a world where we can just have it, you know? we there's, there's a lot of different ways that we've described it, treat it like a tomato, um, you know? There, there's... There's so many things that we could do that could make sense from the FDA and the way they treat things to uh, regulations, state, local, um, the way that we pass policy, laws, ordinances, and such. Almost none of them mirror anything else that we do in life. So we pass these laws and we say, well, we're going to allow cannabis use. 
And then they say, but we can't have it near this, and we can't have it near that, and you can't have more than this, and it has to be made this way, this how, and it has to be tested unlike anything else that's ever tested in the world. And yet, this gigantic elephant in the room is this, folks, and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody ever, ever, ever has... I have... I don't know. That's, that's, hang on a second. That's my microphone. Okay, so do this, this one. Just because it's locked up on there. Yeah, leave that one alone. There you go. Okay, you're good. All right, I, we're trying to fix this this uh, feedback problem. Maybe that fixed it. I don't know if you guys can still hear me, but hopefully everything's still working. Anyways, this has been, again, as I talk about a lesson of focus in our uh, seeming inability to do such. Um, oh my God, of course. Because everybody call me while I'm doing my podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm totally, totally derailed. Okay, let's just get back to it. Um, we pass these laws all across the country, and people talk about Oh, 37 states have passed medical, and seven states have wreck, and it's all it's all done. It's all downhill from here. Everything's good. We're legal. We don't have to do any more. It's all feds are going to do it because they have to. And then yet, every day in my inbox, I get article after article after article. Illegal cannabis bust, raid. Illegal this, illegal that, illegal this, illegal that. Why is that, folks? I'll tell you why. It's because every single law that we've passed is restrictive to the point where it doesn't work. And what I mean by it doesn't work is that the black market thrives. So this is the barometer. This is There's only one barometer here that we need to be mindful of. If your law is correct, and okay and works, then there will not be a black market because there doesn't need to be. And that's really, really important to pay attention to. So let's stop and look. Is there a beer black market? Mm, not that I know of. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't some guys bootlegging beer out of their barn, um, but it's not a widespread problem. There's not a black market for beer. Why? Because they figured it out. They figured out how to make beer cheap enough and unregulated enough to where anybody who wants it can get it. That's the key. Nobody has to smuggle it. Nobody has to take a, a inordinate risks. And it makes sense. And I could go on and on about all the other things that there's not a black market for and the things that there are. You know, there's beginning to be a black market for cigarettes. Why? Because they're taxing it to the point where it's worth it for people to risk going to Indian reservations and buying literally black market cigarettes and smuggling them because those people that are buying them don't want to pay these exorbitant taxes that are being placed on them. And that's what happens when you overregulate, when you overtax. And so that's the problem. So... We're walking across America to say, hey, we can change this. We're walking across.
working across America to empower the people that are walking and to educate the people that are not aware and to give the potential elected officials, the candidates, a chance to tell us what they think so maybe we can vote for the right ones this time because clearly we've missed the mark in electing people and frankly we haven't had very many good choices. So anyways, Missouri, we had a, a rally out there, the very first one, and um, I got a chance to personally meet some of the people that I'm working closest with, and now the amount of people that I'm working closely with that I haven't met in person is now pretty small, which is pretty nice. And so um, that trip alone, if that was the only thing that happened on that trip, it would have been worth it to be able to spend time uh, with Dana and Sue and uh, with uh, Mike and Sarah, with Pete and Helen, with um, Dolores Halbin. I got to spend some time with Dolores, and it was it was wonderful. I got to meet Chris Howell, one of our members who I've been talking to for a few years, and a bunch of others. Um, and it was it was very informative. It, it was eye opening. We learned a lot of things. We learned some things we need to do. We learned some things that we probably shouldn't do, and uh, we got a chance to spend time together. And then I went to Kansas. And I tell you what, uh, I spent a lot of time volunteering for this organization, and I spent a lot of time working with a lot of different people, and I have worked with a lot of different people over many, many years, and I've seen people come and go, and I've seen people say they're going to do things and they don't, and I've say, seen a lot of things. But when I showed up in Kansas, very seldom, have I seen as much preparation, planning, and execution of a plan um, that I felt so friggin' productive while I was there. And um, we were able to do a lot of different things. We were able to go to the court or to the, to the Capitol building, and uh, I got to meet with a lobbyist. You know, we talk about lobbyists all the time, and people think that they're all pharmaceutical companies and prison guard unions, but frankly, there's lobbyists that will lobby for whatever special interest, including ours, and um, this lobbyist has uh, taken a shine to uh, Mike and Sarah and the work that they're doing, and Mike's got himself involved in, in the political process and, and uh, has a minor elected position, and so he's got connected to this guy, and what a lobbyist is is a guy who interacts with lawmakers. He's a friendly face that lawmakers know, and in many cases, he might be representing a, a, some big company or big interest. In other cases, he might be representing all different kinds of folks, but what happens is, is he'll take these guys out to lunch and have drinks with them and do whatever, and, and he's got the attention of these lawmakers. And ultimately, what he was able to do was get me from California put on a list of people that were able to speak on behalf of medical marijuana policy in a special uh, committee that was formed for this purpose. And so I got to go up to the state legislature building and um, speak in front of these folks, and it was, uh, in my opinion, highly successful. We're going to talk a little bit more about it, but it was, it was 
the key was this. Um, a lot of folks have been doing a lot of things for a long time, and a lot of times, you know, we get stuck in our head, well, this is how we make change, right? We, we, we get up there and we, we uh, knock on these doors and we say these things, or we hand out these things, or we stand up and we do these things, or whatever it is. We get it in our head. This is, this is our formula for making change. But I think a lot of times what we don't do is we don't step back and we don't look and say, well, is this working? And if it's working, then how do we do more of it? And if it's not working, well, how do we do something else? Or what else can we do? And I've been watching for a long time a lot of the things that we do, the grassroots efforts and their effectiveness. And in certain places, they're extremely effective. But in creating policy thus far, the grassroots movement has failed miserably for the most part in most places. Now, I know there's been a few examples of uh, ballot initiatives that have passed because of uh, grassroots organization, but that didn't happen in California. In fact, all the grassroots organization uh, uh, ballot initiatives have always failed miserably, including the Jack Herr initiative. That's never really had a chance. Even though there's been some good people behind it, it never even got close because there wasn't any money behind it. And the uh, terrible law that did pass, Prop 64, is the one that had all the money behind it. Now, here's a funny thing, and I want to share this with you all. And this is the thing that should tell us maybe we should watch. You know, I always say follow the money. When we're talking about, you know, people's studies and people's perspectives and people's uh, policies and this and that and all the other thing and the legislation that's being read, I always say follow the money. You know, what's really behind it? What is the – what is – what is the influence? And if there's money put into it, that will always be the influence, right? Well, I just read recently that there's a record number of marijuana lobbyists out there. And you know why? Because they're pushing on the banking issue. You know why? Because they're that 1% that got the legal licenses to distribute cannabis across the country except for in a couple of places, every single law that's passed has eliminated most of the grassroots, the regular folks, and allowed a handful of people with a huge amount of money to come in and be part of this little core of people that gets to have access to this. And a few teeny exceptions here and there. However, the general rule is that if you don't have a bunch of money, you're not gonna be in this industry. So what happens? They get in this industry, and they get started, they set up shop, and then, whoops, we can't put our money in the bank. Well, because it's still generally, uh, you know, there's a few exceptions, places that, that will take on CBD companies and things like that. But in the, in the so-called licensed uh, cannabis side of things, there's not much banking going on because of FDIC insurance and the rules that apply to federal law. But now, because that is an issue, all of a sudden, there's a record number of marijuana lobbyists out there, and they're all funded by these people and their investors. But this guy here, this guy that, that, that we're connected to, he hasn't charged us a dime for whatever reason, and I haven't entirely figured it out, but I think it's because of Mike and Sarah and the work they're doing and the value that they represent. And Mike may end up running for an office that I think will be a benefit to uh, – to his area, I 
think this guy is taking a shine. And I watched how he worked, and I watched what he did, and um, I watched what happened. So I got this opportunity to speak in front of these guys, and of course they screwed everything up. They gave me um, an opportunity to prepare my testimony, and so I did. I sent them four or five pages of testimony. Probably would have delivered a 10 to 15 minute presentation. And then right there when we get up, I get told, well, you got four minutes. I was like, shit, how do I take 10 to 15 minutes? And, you know, for me, 10 to 15 minutes, probably half an hour. And consolidated into four minutes. But fortunately, they stuck me at the end, so I got to watch what everybody else did. And um, a couple of people made some good points that I would have already made. And uh, I was able to get in there and and and... What I, what I decided to do, rather than drive home all my points, because I watched. Eleven people were up. I was number eleven. And I watched as these people were testifying. The elected officials were staring at their phones. And they were looking at their computers. And they were doing everything, really, but pay attention to these people that were testifying. And I was like, wow, that's horrible. These guys are bored. They're they're uninterested. They did not seem to have much interest, except for the first guy. And the first guy was actually from the committee who did the initial presentation. And then the, the first guy that was for us was a lobbyist. He had some good points. I think they were still paying attention. So I'm the last guy that comes up. And I thought to myself, what can I do? I, the only thing I can really do here is get their attention and establish some kind of value. So I just looked him in the eyes, and I, I tried to talk to him and tried to get him to look at me. Well, it worked enough. And because I was the last guy, they threw some questions at me. So I was able to get a few extra minutes, and it was great. But here's the kicker. After this thing was over, we, it was lunchtime. They broke for lunch. And so we walk out to Mike and Sarah's car, and chairman and the vice chairman of the committee were out there with uh, this lobbyist, and they were talking. The lobbyist goes, hey, we're going across the street to go get lunch. I said, okay, cool. I get over there, and they're talking, and next thing I know, I'm walking with the chairman of the committee across the street to get lunch. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Well, it turns out this guy is a career Navy man, which I don't have anything in common with, he was an ex-prosecutor. He's a sitting judge that was just retired but still still presides. Again, have nothing in common with. And I'm like, crap, i got to find something in common with this guy. Well, I found something. The guy, the guy had a positive opinion about free market. And so he started asking me questions about the black market and, and what, you know, what influence it has on things. And I was able to engage this guy one-on-one, -on -one, a state senator, who's affecting this particular policy, and I'm sitting here going, this is like a dream. I had this great opportunity doing something we've never done before. And I said, this is it. This is working, right? And so we got in, and I, and I, I told Mike, I said, well, you know, I want to buy these guys lunch. I want to buy all these guys lunch. So I had the opportunity to, to buy the bulk of the committee lunch, and I was able to sit and talk with four or five of them um, in a conversation over the course of about an hour. And then everybody goes back. Well, when we come back, there's the opposition got to speak. And I tell you what, the first 
person that spoke in opposition to this policy was a doctor, and he's a doctor uh, that's spoken numerous times, and everybody knew who he was, and he ran a addiction clinic or was involved with it, with, with addicted folks. And this guy has credentials from here to China. Anywhere this doctor would, would be to walk in the room, everybody would say, wow, this guy's an expert. He knows what he's talking about. And that guy proceeded to spew shit. He lied. He straight up said things that were absolutely not true, nor backed by fact. And I was just sitting here, you know, again, you're in this environment, you got to be quiet, you got to shut the hell up, you can't, you got to, you got to just choke it all down. And I'm sitting here listening to this doctor, this licensed physician, just completely disparage, discredit, besmirch, lie about the cannabis. And it was horrifying. And then the chief of police and the sheriff's association and one cop after another after another and they're reading off of that same old white paper from 1962. They got the same haircut from 1962. These guys are living in a world that's not here right now and they're talking about things that aren't real. But the coolest thing that came from this was Mike and Sarah get up and they go go to their car and I'm thinking, ah, they've had enough. I was ready to actually leave. I was like, geez, this is this is ridiculous. We know what they're going to continue saying, and I don't know. I don't see any more reason to be here. We've we've accomplished what we could. And then I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I get a text message. And I get a text message from Mike, and he says, the state senator, oh, yeah, the one that Sarah pinned a ribbon on, who's sitting now up in the committee with a solidarity ribbon on, is messaging, saying, hey, um, I need to know what to ask these guys. Send me some questions. I'm like, you're kidding me. What an opportunity. So I'm furiously typing away, and I fired off like five questions. Boom, 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 boom. Whatever could hit me. I was like, geez, you don't, you know, you don't get time to plan for this. Who would have ever thought? And then over the course of the next, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, three of these guys asked three of the five questions that I presented in their own words. And I was just blown away. I've never seen anything like that before. I've never heard anything like that before. And they were good questions. They were questions like, you know, can both sides get together and have a talk about this? Or, you know, you guys talk about overdose, and how many people have actually died from cannabis? Because that's what overdose means, doctor who is citing overdose. Um and then, of course, they come walking their statements back. Oh, well, you know, cannabis is actually a non-toxic substance, and nobody's ever died from it. But what we mean by overdose is because there's psychotic episodes, and they're making shit up as they're going. Well, the long and short of it was I walked out of that place feeling like as empowered as I ever had. And I've always said to people that, you know, we're dealing with people. These are people. But to actually experience it, to actually experience a one-on-one -on -one dynamic where I was able to have a communication with somebody who instead of being a son-of-a-bitch elected motherfucker who doesn't listen to anything anybody says, 
conversation with these people and a fairly reasonable one at that. And guess what? At lunch, I got to ask them this question, and Dolores would have been proud to see me. I said, hey, I got a question for you guys. How many of your rape kits haven't been opened yet? And you know what they said? They shocked the hell out of me. They said, none of them. We've opened them all because we got funding for this, and we forwarded, did it forward, and we're caught up. And I was like, wow, Kansas, Kansas, way to go. And I was, you know, I, I was, I was flipped upside down like a, like a sunny side up egg. And uh, I was, I walked out of there, got to the airport, and I never felt better. And um, turned out Sarah had also got a chance to talk to the sheriff, who was absolutely our opposition, and and got to got to have a conversation with him. When we walked out of there, the what we got from those that stayed was that they had decided not to um, pass any kind of legislation until the FDA um, has made a change on their position. But it turns out um, that they did make a change, and today they actually brought in their vote. And I'm going to bring up Mike and Sarah to tell us the rest. I know I took a lot of the, the story out of this, but um, I want you guys to tell your side of it. And then, of course, we got some more more stuff happening out of Kansas and more opportunities. And without further ado, uh, two of our shining stars, Mike and Sarah, Kansas Chapter, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Hello. Thanks for all the acclaim, man. Uh, there's a lot still to do, but they passed it out of committee for sure, and they're moving forward with something. We'll keep working on it. Well, you know what's you interesting is something that they passed was, was a smokeless uh, law, kind of like Ohio's. But the point is, is the fact that they, they, they changed their position from we're not going to do it to, well, we're going to do this. And it tells me that they're listening to some kind of reason, that some, something that we did had some kind of an effect on this, and that there's, it's not over. We still have a we still have an opportunity to continue this dialogue. I've still got access to them, and so do you. And, you know, I think if we can just maintain ourselves as reasonable, um, not adversaries, and maybe we're here to help and, and maybe to uh, inspire some, you know, some better thoughts. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be in a good position. I mean, just like Barker said, the chairman that you talked to, you know, how do we arrest people in another state that have legal cannabis? And they say that they, they're talking about the smokeless thing. Well, how can you respect somebody in Missouri that can have a quarter pound but somebody in Kansas can't? You know, these right. are all problems that we'll have to address moving forward. We got to work on getting people out of jail for it. Um, so we'll, uh, you know, we're, we've got a long way to go. But it was, well, you know, it, Joe, Joe, we were, we were, we were super glad to have you out here. Uh, we worked super hard to get that set up the way we got it set up, and it did go off perfectly. And a little bonus material to boot. Uh, so. You know, thank you for coming out and taking the time to do that. You know, I didn't want to have to try to speak to him the way that you did. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure. Again, I didn't expect to get flipped upside down like that, but it worked out. It all worked out, and we were able to have a, a good conversation at lunch, which told us more than the whole committee thing, because it's hard to, hard to read people in the committee. You know, it's hard to tell what they're thinking when they're not really talking and engaging too much. 
But when you're sitting there at lunch and they're actually asking you real questions in real time and having a conversation, then that, that gave me a, a better finger on the pulse, at least what it seemed to be. Yeah, it, yes. And, and, of course, you know, I do, that's what I do is I concentrate on dealing with people on a one-on-one basis. I don't just go whatever. I actually contact them or go to their office and say, hey, do you have a few minutes? I'd like to bring up something and talk to you about it. And then we talk about it. You know, I get their stance. I express mine. I try to answer questions, uh, you know, because in Kansas, the lawmakers are the ones that matter. We can go out here and yell all we want to. They threw banners off of the rotunda for Medicaid expansion and things like that. And we don't need to do that to get things done. We can go in here and talk to it like humans and express real concerns and get things done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, I don't have a problem with people being extreme because in some ways, if we do something that works, it's almost refreshing to them because if they're responding positively to us for any reason whatsoever, um, and clearly they're weighing their experience of other things against this, then it tells us that, you know, what, what they respond to. You know, there's places you can go in the country where that big, you know, extreme expression is the only thing that's going to reach them. And trying to have a civil talk will never work. But in other places, right. you know, this is the way. And, and, and that's the important thing to think is to be effective. You know, you, you can't think that the same thing's going to work for everybody uh, wherever you go. Right. No, and I agree. It's definitely different in different places. It always depends on, uh, you know, it, it, it depends on where you're at for sure. So I understand that you guys have gotten some more developments. Every time I turn around, I, I'm sitting here singing you guys' praises, and, and all of a sudden, oh, we got one more thing. So tell us about the latest. <laughs> well, the uh, the local news channel, which would be Cake, which is an ABC affiliate, interviewed me earlier uh, in front of a Human Solution International banner. They asked about it. I mentioned the walkforchange.us. I'm not sure if that'll make it in there or not. Uh, they, I think we have to get with Jennifer Hess to work out you know, how she would like to, but we can get an interview with her and hopefully get that aired and get some media attention on her case. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting. I, I remember, uh, Kate, when, when we were at the character trial, and I interviewed them at the time as well. And they've actually been, as a mainstream media channel, they've been somewhat responsive to, to our efforts. I mean, you know, they've, I've seen a number of times where they've interviewed and actually uh, showed some relevant content. You know, a lot of times you spend uh, 20 minutes on an interview and they'll show 10 seconds of something that really – sort of showed the story wrong, but these guys have been pretty reasonable so far that I've experienced. Well, we talk to them both on camera and off camera. You know, we let them know, hey, look, we will help you keep involved with what's happening as it's happening as long as you will help us get it out the way we need to get it out, even to the point of using it as political pressure. Well, that's awesome. News reporters love that kind of thing, especially when you can give them the inside line on what was said and what's happening, you know. Well, I think that what's going to ultimately happen, especially with the Walk for Change, is that as we get – there's going to be a tipping point where 
we're going to get a little media coverage, and we're going to get a little media coverage, and then all of a sudden we'll get one that gets the right media coverage. And from that point forward, as long as we can keep it moving forward, I think that the media is going to catch it as an ongoing story, and it will be easy to get coverage once we get – there's that threshold. Once you get enough coverage, then it becomes a, a story that they want to see what's happening now. Right. Well, that is some fantastic, fantastic news, and you know, I—it's I, it, so funny because Kansas has been a, you know, a mixed, uh, uh, a mixed emotion for me. You know, I've had a lot of wonderful things come out of Kansas, and some bittersweet things come out of Kansas, and it's becoming, uh, you know, nearer and dearer to me, and I'm even considering. Um, Maybe moving my company out there to some degree. So I'm really uh, yeah. We we need know. to get together on that too. I got some we got some good stuff going on there too. Cool. I got more I information. Will, I'm that. Fully available tomorrow to talk about all that stuff. So um, today was just a crazy day. So anyhow, um, no problem. Well, that's that is all uh, fantastic news, and um, I'm I, I can't be more proud. You know, so this has been a really proud week because. Not only did we do all this in Missouri and Kansas, but we also launched a chapter out of Texas, which I'll be talking about in a bit. Hopefully, Kansas will be able to call in and talk about that. I, I don't know. I thought we were going to have people on the Zoom link, but it's just uh, I don't know. I don't know what's 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 happening with it. Um, but Sometimes old fashioned is better, anyway. What's that? All right, Joe. Thanks for having us, man. We love you guys. All right, man. We love you, too. Thanks again. Mike and Sarah, Kansas chapter, tearing it up out there in the Midwest. All right. Let's see. Um, Craig Cecil didn't call in, and, of course, that's concerning. Um, him and I have been talking on Coralinks, which is the uh, prison Federal Bureau of Prisons email system, and I've been pretty much posting um, – his emails to me so that you guys can see them. I know there are at least one other advocate that's doing that, but I just, you know, the problem is we live in this cesspool of advocacy and people don't have each other's backs and they don't share things and, you know, it's just difficult. So I figure I'm doing what I can to just make sure that everybody has access to all of the information that is out there and we'll go from there. So we're going to do a, sort of a rocket line through the callers. We've got a bunch of callers up. We've got Dana. Um, we've got Jeff Eichen. We've got Glenn Keeling. We've got Zach, our defendant. And uh, let's see what we go. Let's start up with Dana. We'll just go top to bottom, make it easy. So we've got Dana Bland, our chapter coordinator from the Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition chapter out of Missouri. He actually is the one who put together this rally, and uh, I got to meet you in person, and it was quite a treat. How you doing today, Dina? Uh, we're doing all right. Still suffering from my shoulder from last week before the event that went out, but yeah, uh, we. I mean, I got a decent turnout with the leaders at least, <laughs> but uh, it, hey, next time on. we need to get the followers. It's all good, you know. It's a funny thing. I'm, I'm, I'm working on on being a more effective leader right now, and I'm I'm studying 
leadership techniques and mentoring and things like that. And one thing I learned is that there's two kinds of leaders. There are leaders that attract followers, and then there are leaders that attract leaders. And it's easy to be a leader that attracts followers, and I welcome those folks because I could be one easily. But to me, the higher calling is to be a leader that attracts leaders because we need to teach the teachers so that we can get our message out far and wide, and that's the way that it needs to happen or we don't have a chance because each one of us just gets our own little Pied Piper following and we'll have whatever we have, but it's, it's not enough. We need, we need to be able to have a team of leadership that works together in a team, in a, in a cohesive entity and, and, and speak with the same message and, and share ideas and thoughts and techniques. And that's what we were able to do. So to me, a leadership conference was maybe the most powerful thing we could have done in Missouri. So I appreciate what you did there, and I'm glad it worked out that way. Yeah, we had a pretty good time afterwards over at uh, Dolores' house and uh, seeing they had a stay over down there. That was pretty neat. Uh, but I, I just want to I just want to encourage everyone that's out there. If if, you, if you're following someone in your area, follow them. If they're going to go somewhere to like a, a a rally or something like that, go with them because we need all the people we can get. It's like Kansas is. I mean, they're 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 crazy here, but Kansas is really crazy because I mean, I just read up on something today where oh, they're talking now about passing a law to legalize. Uh, some medical cannabis there uh, in in a restricted manner, but the only people that be able to use is people from out of state that come in the state that have a legal state there with a card, and then the people in Kansas right at the moment, the way it read, won't get to do anything, and that is a hundred percent unconstitutional the way things are going. And uh, up there in in Ohio, I mean, I wish I could have been there at the at at the state capitol with you, but I was just in too much pain to go. And and up in Ohio, uh, I mean, they may just have to get really loud because them 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 that that governor there and and the ADA and all the people that are involved in this thing, they don't give a darn about him or their health or anything. I mean, what they forget what country we live in. Because this is the same kind of garbage that Germany and all these other countries did uh, when they controlled their people. They would just take and throw their people and kill all the sick ones and get rid of the ones that they didn't like or didn't have what they wanted and keep who they wanted. And we ain't in that kind of club in this country. We're supposed to be a democracy. And a democracy is supposed to be ran by the people, not the other way around. And it's just getting completely out of control throughout the whole country, and, and, and the only way they're going to make anything work is just to drop prohibition because having a different law in every state is just going to be a problem. Well, you know, um, it, it's, it's a problem of information and ignorance, and, um, you know, the stigma is, is it exists because of some really uh, greedy bad people many years ago and greedy bad people today um, that, that put their interest above our own. And, you know, they felt threatened by our freedom to use this plant, so they, they, they put out propaganda and passed policies, and, and we didn't do anything about it. And now we've got generations have gone by, and you've got this, this um, generational 
culture of prohibition. And you've got, you know, I've been, unfortunately, in the wrong way, I've spent a lot of time with law enforcement. I've been locked up a number of times, and I've spent, I don't know how many, how many days in court, and um, I spent almost a year of my life in courtrooms. And that's not an exaggeration. And I, and I look at the culture of law enforcement and the culture of the justice system, and it's just broken, and, it, and it's ignorant. And little by little, little teeny places and little teeny ways, I'm watching as we're able to come up with a with a with the correct message and, and an effective way of reaching out. I've I'm finding one by one, and I, I, it needs to happen thousand by thousand, but one by one, there's a law enforcement official who has somebody, a loved one in their family that, that got really sick, and, and somebody had their mind open, and they were able to see the benefit of cannabis, and they are looking at it going, oh, wow, that actually is real. And, and one by one, there are people that are actually looking and acknowledging that nobody's ever died from it, ever. And that, that that pharmaceutical drug that they're taking or the, the 10 or 15 or 20 pharmaceutical drugs that they're taking, any one of them or any combination of them could have a horrible negative side effect or even death. And, and a little by little, I think we're starting to get through. But, man, I tell you, we need, we need so much more and we need so many more people willing and able to help. And that's why I'm working really hard to... Uh, raise up leaders and, and, and train them and hopefully motivate them. And, and you know, it, it, it's a lot of effort. But, Dana, you got the heart and you got the message. So I know you and Sue are, are um, you know, a really strong outpost out there. And I, I'm hoping that we, we start rallying some people to stand with you so that we can get this message louder and clearer. Well, I, I was I started a study today on the origins of prohibition, where it actually started from, and it wasn't the government, uh, the United States that started. It started. It was one of the first ones, but it was the church. And I'm a Christian myself, and the people are misinterpreting what the Bible says for one. And the, technically, there's only like 35% of the church population that even believes in this prohibition garbage. And especially the medical part, and, and uh, you know, but that, that's what's going on in Ohio and Kansas is you got all these religious, really re- overly religious. Because I'm not religious; I'm just a Christian. These people think they're religious and they can run other people's lives by judging and putting them in jail and everything else like that because of something they consider a sin, not against the law, a sin. I mean, that's where it all started. Is they want to take and rank it up there with alcohol and meth and every one of them other drugs that will hurt you when on something that's been around for 15,000 years that's never killed a single human being ever. And the health effects since, yeah, and the health effects since then has just drastically went down the hill. I mean, any smart person can see this. Any cop that tells you they don't know your constitution is lying to you. And, uh, but they're ran by their ADAs, and most of the lawyers in this country are are ran by the government anymore. They it's all over money. They don't care about the people. They just care about the money. I mean, I, I'm a very very compassionate person, and, and I get worked up easy. And watching what's happening with Ken and Peggy Sue 
And Sonya up there in Ohio makes me sick to my stomach because this is just as bad and worst injustice I've ever seen that's going across this country. And people need to take and drop their fear, especially if they're for cannabis, and just get out there and join somebody and stop hiding in the closets and, and because it's not going to get better doing that. we got to get out and make some noise because some of these states are getting vicious. And, uh, I mean, it, yeah, I, I can't. I have. I can't take pharmaceuticals. Uh, tell him what. I know. I, I already did. I told him that Kansas, they're wanting to take and adopt Ohio's laws, which is sick, and they're also wanting to uh, only allow people that have license in other states that they can come into their state without getting arrested and use their cannabis, but the people, the citizens of Kansas, can't. I mean, how much worse can that get? <laughs> well, it, it definitely, you know, the, the only good part is, like I said, we've got, we've at least got their ears. They went from we're not going to do anything to we're going to do something ridiculous. But at least it's a, uh, it, they haven't passed anything. The the bill that we submitted was was in line with Oklahoma's law, and it made the most sense of any I'd seen. So. They've got a lot of things in front of them, and at least at least there's there's time. It gets out of committee. Now it's going to go ultimately to a vote, but they didn't they haven't submitted a bill yet. So um, the good news is, you know, we've we've at least got their attention, and some possible positive change can happen. Now it's up to us to to get our message to them, you know, in a way that they can hear it. But the truth is, like you say, you've got law enforcement that's not um, regarding people's rights um, over and over again. You know, we see case after case after case where um, people are denied their basic due process and they're getting illegally searched and seized and they're getting, um, you know, arrested without warrants. They're getting all kinds of things happen, and that's the kind of stuff that is indicative of tyranny and those are the kind of things that we need to put a put a nip on and you know every once in a while you know you're hearing about one after another corrupt sheriffs or corrupt DAs and they're they're little by little getting picked off but I think there's a lot more still to go that's for sure well I just saw on the news in Chicago and this is not just over cannabis I mean there's more and more and more households being broken into by the police and robbed and raided and scared to death, and then they have the wrong address and they still search them. Uh, yeah, and this is happening sorry. more and more and more. And uh, you know, I can see why people are scared. They're scared to death of the law in this country, and it's not supposed to be that way. Well, I'm hoping it doesn't become, you know, a regular thing because it's sort of a newish thing. I mean, it's always happened to some degree, but I mean. It seems like it's really ramped up as a problem of these sort of wrong address raids, and I'm hoping that there's some blowback. I'm hoping that, you know, we start taking some major legal action to keep that from happening. You know, we live in a world today that has GPS where it's pretty hard to get the wrong address. You know, yeah. in the old days, <laughs> map and somebody's numbers might not have been painted on the on the door right, I could say, well, you know, maybe we could make a mistake. But now, I mean, you walk up to a house and that GPS says, you are here. I don't know. It's pretty hard to mess that one up. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. That's that's true. I didn't even think about that. They all have GPS. They know exactly where they're going when they're going somewhere. And uh, but you know they're doing that to people in automobiles too. They're 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 pulling them over and then they're saying they smell pot when there ain't no pot there to smell. And then trying to arrest someone that doesn't even do anything or has never done anything either. And and then beating them up and then finding out that the smell didn't even come from their car or that's what their excuses anyway. And I mean, it's people need to start reading up on the past history of what happened in the first and second world war on how all this garbage happened over there. They don't want that to happen here. They need to stand up and, and, and be counted for. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think that definitely, um, you know, that's what this show's about. That's what it's bringing, bringing leadership together and, bringing the, the informed of us together in a way that, you know, we, we decide to stand together and, and, and share share tools and, and share resources and ultimately be stronger than each of us standing separately. Yeah. If everybody out there that's listening and tell your friends, start calling around in your state and look start looking for constitutional lawyers, especially ones that, that – We'll do promo pro bono work too, and especially the other ones that can work across the country, not just one state, because we definitely need to take and put something like that together to get a few lawyers together that can end some of this garbage, like what's happening to Greg. I mean, the Ken and Peggy Sue, and all those people up there that that they just won't drop the charges on when they don't even have a real case. I couldn't agree more. And it, you know, it's been difficult for the last 10 years. I've been working with lawyers, um, trying to work with lawyers, trying to get lawyers to come together and help out. And it's been generally a nightmare. You know, I've had lawyers that I thought could do a lot of good work, and they say they're going to do stuff, but they don't. I got lawyers that that have started a bunch of stuff but never finished it ended up leaving me worse than they started. I've got lawyers that say they're going to do a job and they don't show up. I've had every kind of thing you can imagine, everything but lawyers that just show up and help. And, you know, we've got some paralegals that are doing some work right now, and that's kind of good. Um, and, you know, I think if we if we start shining our light bright enough, and maybe the Walk for Change will bring enough attention that some lawyers will step up and say, hey, Maybe it's worth it for me to get involved with this. Maybe I could be the face of this. You know, if we can make it to where they got something to get out of it instead of just making the world better, because that's not doesn't seem to be enough. But maybe if they could see, hey, I can I can make a name for myself, or I can whatever it is that they're trying to get, some kind of notoriety or whatnot. Maybe that's what it would take, and maybe we can maybe we can frame our cause in such a way that might be able to be more attractive to some of these lawyers. Well, it'd be nice to find them lawyers. The ones around here, like our lawyer, he worked the Constitution, and we did it really good. Uh, yeah, he could have went further if he wanted to, but and, and also offered to make him famous with a lot of other people to come to him. But you know, the lawyers are just as scared of those ADAs and the judges as we are, and and they're afraid of losing their career. And uh, oh, I know. the education, the education is the only way. It's an incestuous nightmare in these courtrooms. You know, these guys are all these guys are all married to each other, and 
and and going out and golfing with each other and and you know they no, nobody wants to to make too much of a stink. I, I've sat in too many courtrooms. Uh, you know any of these uh, any of these uh, public defenders, especially they're they're in the same courtrooms as the as the prosecutors and the judges, and they work there every day. And we just come and go. So it's a it's a rough it's a rough proposition, but. You know, Dana, I think we're going to do it. I feel strong about it, and uh, we're going to keep on marching forward. So how does somebody get a hold of you if they're in Missouri or want to support some of this great work we're doing in Missouri right now? Okay, we are the Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition Human Solutions Chapter, the court support chapter here. Uh, and my number is 417-847-7974. And my request to everyone is just to start looking up. Don't look up any lawyer. Look up constitutional lawyers and just start calling because there's got to be a few in this country somewhere. So awesome. I'll you let you know your next guest. You ended up getting your banner, right? Yes, I got it. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, Dana, always a pleasure. Love you guys. Sue and Dana. Hope for change in the end of prohibition chapter from Missouri and uh, doing great work out there. All right, let's see. We got Jeff Eichen up next, and Jeff is uh, the author or the the director of Life First the movie, and he's out there uh, promoting his movie, advocating for the prisoners, the POWs, people that are locked up today in places where some people can go down the street and take money out of their wallet and buy pot from a store that has a license from the state and right down the road somebody is locked up for the very same thing. Now that sounds like a problem to me and fortunately we've got a guy like Jeff Eichen out there working hard to help make change. Jeff, welcome to the show. It is always a pleasure to have you on. Hey, how are you, everybody? Hemp, hemp, hooray. Yeehaw, hemp, hemp, hooray. Yeah, so it's so blessed that you guys did the walk um, in Missouri and that uh, I recorded Jeff Mazansky and had him on several times during the day, and it was it was an excellent day. Yeah, it was, a, it was an excellent day. I'm really proud of you all, and, uh, and we're here. Um, I don't know where your news feed is, so I'm going to go live on Facebook right now on my own, um, uh, how to get your Zoom channel. Where's your Zoom channel? It's supposed to be feeding on our on our Human Solution Facebook page. So okay. I, I, this, I, we're, we're still figuring ourselves out. We're, 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 we're crawling in the crib right now trying to figure it out. But it says – That'll be fun. That'll be fun once – once you get that, um, I want to know how to do that too, because that'll be fun to uh, um, to have people um, have a voice, and so we can see where they're at. And and um, I'm just proud of our whole uh, group right now. Um, I don't find our group being very nervous or out of their their league or um, or grabbing for you know for too many rings on the merry-go-round. Um, I see us winning in a lot of avenues. Um, I also welcome the gay marriage people to come in to help us because they were successful. 
I see a lot of stuff with the Kardashians happening and some some of the other celebrities joining us right now. And I think the celebrity power is going to be very important for us to bring on the walk and um, and then get on to the Bill Maher show on the nightly news and have have people following us. I just think that, um, uh, you know, today CNN um, was contemplating getting um, uh, going into to filming Michael Thompson, who, who's one of my champions. And if that happens in the next few weeks, um, I'm going to fly back immediately. Um, so we all need money. We all need to be supported in this game. So everybody who's listening, um, send the human solution, um, uh, support myself uh, getting to these areas of raising the, the loudness. The media is so dark that it's so important for our light because these are people that are non-violent, that are living with in jail with hardened criminals. It's so important for us to get louder. And a lot of us are really just scraping by and going, you know, hand to mouth and are self-employed and so are living off of savings. And so everybody do your best out there to send a dollar in or a thousand to your favorite um, person that you want to help to keep moving, to put gas in the, in the fuel for, for Peter and his wife traveling across the country, um, for myself going to, to help to get prisoners out. And you can find my site on lifersthemovie.com. Our movie is free now. Um, there's no charge on it on YouTube. The links are there. And I'm just so proud of you, Joe. Awesome. Well, I'm proud of you back. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really pleased that we've got this core team. You know, I've always – I've been railing on the movement as a whole for a long time because I know what we could be doing and I know what we do. But I feel like there's a core of leaders that have gotten together and, and have decided that it's important enough to work together. I said this on uh, um, – I think it was Candace's show. Or it might have been Pete's show the other day. Um, I was I was listening to a, a, an audio book about um, recovery from PTSD and some of the tools they're using for it. And uh, it was an interview with, a, with a, um, a soldier. And the soldier had done multiple tours in the Middle East. And one of the things that he said was, you know, when you go into combat and you're part of a team and you don't all like each other necessarily, but the one thing that you have is you know that they have your back. And I thought to myself, God, if only our movement was like that. Because there's plenty of us that like each other and plenty of us that don't, but to have each other's back being the important part, that no matter what, I don't have to worry about any of these guys. I just know that they've got my back. If we could step our game up just that much, I think we would be 100 times more effective than we are. And now we got this leadership team that's standing together, working together, and I think it just happens that we like each other. But even if we had a falling out or a problem, I think that we would all have each other's back. And I think that's the key to our success. And, Jeff, I'm just pleased and proud, and I just know that I have your back. Well, I'm I'm really, um, yeah, I'm amazed. Let, let me see. I got something here. Maybe we can um, play this here. Let's see if I got Okay, everybody, this is Jeff in here with Lifers Madness, the movie and TV, and we have an ex-prisoner. Today is the day that we're launching the Walk for Change, 
and say hi, Jeff Mazansky, and tell everybody um, your story. Yeah, my name's Jeff, Jeff Mazansky. I have you know, 
who you are and, and, and why you support this Walk for Change and what you're walking for. And, um, you know, I think as people are able to look and see the diversity and the uh, the power of the messages, you know, I've got I've got people from all over the world that are starting to, to come forward and say, yeah, I stand with you, I'll walk with you, and uh, we're, we're making it happen. So, Jeff, uh, you're doing great, great work. Thanks for getting that recording of Jeff. Who knows, maybe we can get him to shoot a little video um, for our website, for the walkforchange.us. For sure, for sure, for sure. Well, the more we use Zoom chat, we can Zoom chat and, and post our Zoomers. You know, if you want to do um, an 8 a.m. Uh, across America every morning, I'm sure we could do 20 minutes every morning and not interrupt anybody. Just have a cup of fucking Joe. <laughs> I love There's it. Well, CBD I'm, I'm, coffee. Willie, CBD. Get some Willie or some some of uh, uh, George's coffee and CBD coffee, and let's just and let's let's blow that up. Let's let's sell the coffee to ra- to raise money for the for the walk and have a cup of Joe in the morning. I love it. Well, I I definitely, as I'm learning this platform, and I can figure out how to get everybody to to know where it's at and where how to get on it. Once I figure it out, then we'll be able to do just that. So, and like you say, it's all recorded. So if we can get them to come on, then we collect we can collect those clips. Right. And kind of. It does yeah, high resolution. So. I. I've got Tommy Chong in my movie on a Zoom chat, and he didn't even know how to do it. He had to have somebody come over and walk him through it. But once they're in, they're, it's beautiful, and I'll walk us through that behind the scenes. We'll do it, and everybody do the right thing. Just listen to the good media and vote for the for the freaking you know people that are running that that have us in their hearts. Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Well, one one last shot uh, shout out. How does somebody get a hold of you if they're trying? Uh, that's lifersthemovie.com. Our movie's on there for free now. There's a lots of updates. And, um, yeah, support us and support The Walk and The Human Solution. And um, give your kids a hug for us. And sneak some CBD in, everybody, to your old people's homes. <laughs> I love it. I totally agree. All right. Thank you so much, Jeff Eichen, folks. All right. Let's go ahead over to Zach from Missouri. He's a defendant that we've been supporting and got another crazy case, uh, one of these male set-up wacky cases. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Sorry I wasn't able to meet you in person uh, last week. Yeah, sorry about that. My little one, he had a stomach ache, and like I said, I was at home taking care of him, and I'm just glad I wasn't, I didn't get it. I didn't want to end up in the hospital. Um, yeah, yeah, we don't want anybody. Yeah, one, one message to everybody, as we're getting into winter time, you know, folks, I know so many times people get a little bug, and they're like, well, I can tough through it. Stay home. If you're sick, don't go around other people, because there's nothing worse than a bunch of good folks that all get sick because one person thought they could make it, and they end up sniffling and sneezing and coughing, and next thing you know, everybody's got it. So there's a there's a lesson in it for us all. Yeah, the type 1 diabetes and being sick does not serve me well. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. So how's your case coming along? They're great. They're great. They went back to school, you know what I mean, School seems to be the roughest time for them being sick with them around other kids, you know. 
Yeah, of course, of course. And that's, you know, that's kind of the point. As, as my kids got grown up and out of school, the amount of sick days in my house went way down. You know, it's like they, they, everybody brings it home from school and takes it to your house. So, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's just part of life, I suppose. So what's going on with your case? Oh, it's going good. I actually went and talked to my new public um, defender today, actually, at his office, and uh, he is actually going to rip into the, uh, the the prosecutor and the detective. They have a, he, as he says, they have a lot of explaining to do on the 12th, and he goes, he goes good, I'm going to tear good. into them. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Every once in a while, we get one of these pretenders that decides to not pretend and do his job, yep. and I've seen it happen more than once. But it doesn't happen every time, and, and that's, you know, when it does, i got to applaud these guys, you know, your state employees doing your job. Good for you. Yep, yep. So I had a really good and left his office feeling really well today, you know. And I'm just, I, the, the 12th, I can't wait, man. It's it's like in Montauk County at 9 a.m., and it's I I'll hopefully get some really good, uh, good, good, uh, I don't know the type, the right word. Justice for me, you know what I mean? Not for the system and not for them on their behalf of what they're trying to do. Because a fifty thousand dollar bond for what I had and and everything and what they charged me with and what I had to go through and what they did to my dog and it's just I, I hope everything goes good. Well, I, I we're we're banking for it. We're praying for you and. You know, justice is not supposed to be a subjective word, so hopefully Correct. you'll get that actual that actual justice, not not the one-sided justice that we keep seeing. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank but, uh, you so much. I'd like, I'd like to. Go ahead. Yep. And you guys have a no, you guys ahead. have a good evening, and I appreciate and I appreciate everything you guys are doing for me. You betcha. Well, you just keep on fighting, and that's what we need, more people to stand up and fight. All right, Zach yep. from Missouri, once again, actually, you know, it, it, here's the deal, folks. Okay, and that's a great lesson to be had. Zach's walked in there fearlessly, even though his public defender, his first one was terrible and wasn't helping him and wasn't doing anything. He stayed the course, and he kept fighting, and now he's got one that is helping. Now, think about that. If we throw in the towel as soon as anything bad happens and say, oh, I don't want to fight that, I don't want anything to do with it, you don't even have a chance. If you stand up and fight, you never know what's going to happen. You know, remember, in my case, after six years of battling these motherfuckers, six years, 240 appearances in court, I walked in preparing to answer ready for trial for the second time on the same charges, and they gave up. After all that, they dropped the case. They were tired, and I wasn't going to go away. And it can happen. You just never know what's going to happen next. And just stay in the course. Have a little fight in you. Don't give up. If you can do that, then you have a chance for some good things to happen. And you know what? They don't always happen. We take our lumps. I've, I've, jeez, I've had to be bailed out of jail many times over this. But at the end of the day, I get to hold my head high, and I get to say, I walked out of the belly of the beast. 
and I don't have a criminal record, and I didn't ever rat on anybody. So all of those things together, I hold my head extra high, and I, I, I know what it feels like, and I'm trying to impart that so that you guys can do the same thing. And every time one of us holds our head high like that, we can bring more people around with us, and we can get this message to spread. We can actually fix this so we can have the freedoms and liberties that we so richly deserve. All right, speaking of defendants, Standing up and fighting, we have Glenn Keeling. Glenn and Peggy have been fighting now for coming up on two years. And, uh, you know, it's a brutal nightmare. They're going through this arduous um, situation. And, and here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. All right, when you're, when you're locked up and then bond out, and then you're in the middle of fighting your case, the court has this thing on you. And it's the ability, and they claim it as a right, but I just say it's an ability because they can do it, of revoking your bond for any reason. And so there's this balancing act of being too outrageous, too vocal, too whatever, and not being loud enough. You know, there's this balancing act because... If you piss off the wrong person, they can revoke your bond. And they did that to me. In the middle of my case, after I was convicted, but before I had overturned it, we were still fighting, still fighting every day. And one day I walked into court and boom, they yanked my bond. And you know what they did? They took it from $125,000 and doubled it to $250,000. Now, remember... My charges were sales of a controlled substance. That was it. I was charged with selling a plant. And they had me out on a $250,000 bond. That's why I stayed locked up for a good long while. And that's what they can do. So, you know, it's unnerving. For six years I walked around on this planet knowing that at any moment, for any reason, I could get hauled ass into jail and maybe never get out. And that's the thing that hangs on you, and it makes it difficult. It's like it's oppressive. It's like a, you know, you ever hear of the whole waterboarding thing, how they shove a, a, a rag over your face and drip water on it, and, and your, your instincts make you think you're drowning and you can't get any air? It's kind of like that. And I, I know it. I felt it. I lived it for six years. And so I, re I respect everybody who stands up and fights, and I do understand um, what's, what's, what's against. You know, I had a gag order on my case, too. But in my case, the gag order was on the lawyers. And, you know, I was just a I, – I, I, I just had something in me that wasn't going to – Joe had to fight his, but 
you know, uh, two years is long enough to, to be faced with, with spending the rest of your life in prison, you know, for, for just the use of cannabis. Um, and that's what we're facing. You know, we go to tomorrow for a pretrial. And yeah, it's just a pretrial. But still, I mean, anything can happen at the pretrial. Um, so we are asking people, that if you, you know, you're in the area or if you come stand with us, you know, because it's not just us sitting at that table. That The case is about everyone that consumes cannabis. And, and don't be fooled and think that it's not, you know. I'm not just blowing smoke, but this case, you know, in any cannabis case really is about anybody that consumes or wants to consume cannabis. You know, it's it's our right as adults to, you know, do with what our bodies what we want, you know. Um, nobody should have the right to tell us, that, you know, anything different than that. Um I am the Ohio chapter leader of, of the Creative Care Beacon. It's the Human Solution International. Um, we do court support here. We do letter writing campaigns, you know, not just for our case. There's a lot of cases that's going on. We got Adam Fogelman, who's uh, serving time in prison. He got a two-year sentence, you know, for the possession and use of cannabis also here in Ohio. Um, and hey, and don't think that it just stops there. Glenn, yes, sir. Hang on one second. I got a call from Adam Fogelman's dad um, today, and um, I guess Adam had tried to call me um, earlier, but he got the wrong time. So I, I squared up uh, when the right time was to call, and he'll be calling in next week at the right time on the right number. Oh, right on. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, because he's got a story to tell, you know, because don't, don't just think that, this, you know, cannabis legalization stops with just people out here because, you know, if you're a cannabis patient or you consume cannabis and you happen to catch a case and you, you go to prison, guess what? It it continues to follow you because 30 days after you go to prison, jail, you're going to have to take a drug test. And if you fail that drug test, like Adam's finding out, he got all of his privileges. He got everything yanked away from me for two months. Um, and, and that's until he can pass his next drug test. Man's drinking a crap ton of water, that's for sure. But you know, legalization of cannabis is, is a horrible. It, it's not. It's not good. We we need to stop. You know, accepting the fact that we can legalize it. You know, because it, legalization doesn't do nothing but bring more problems. And you know, face with, with look at Peggy and I. We we're legitimate medical patients. And the crazy thing about this is, you know, I, the judge said that all of our paperwork was in order. We were legal. Everything was right. And on top of that, he's even said that, oh, we're going to charge you felony four and felony five possession of cannabis. But why we do that? Why don't you go ahead and go to the, the dispensary and get you some cannabis, possess it, and use it? Um, we're using and where it's in our bond that we can use cannabis, even though we're being charged for cannabis. So how the hell does that figure into this? I mean, you know, it, it's it's crazy. Um, Joe, was you able to, to consume, use while you were going through your case? I mean, it, it, it's... I didn't have any restriction on me other than I was not to get in trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, oh you, yeah. I didn't have any restriction on me um, as far as using cannabis whatsoever. Oh, right on. That's, well, that's cool as shit. Well, that, was, yeah, but, uh, that was maybe the only thing coolest shit in my case. I don't think there right. was anything else. Well, that was no, one thing, I, yeah. No, absolutely not. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for that, I can say honestly say that that is about the only good for our, our case. You know, other than you know, we're we can use cannabis, um, but it, it's crappy. You know, being you know faced with the rest of your life for doing what you thought was legal, what you thought could do. You know, following doctors' orders, doing what you know. Um, yeah, this is crazy. You know, we don't have. And I know that there's been rumored that, you know, gun charges and this and that. No, we we don't have gun charges. Yes, we have gun specifications. And and those that's huge difference. Very big, two big differences being charged with a gun and having a specification. Um, and I want to just be clear with that because a lot of people have got that mistaken. Um, we never made anything. We, we purchased everything that we had in our home. Um, which was legal for us to have. The judge said so. Um, so, yeah, I would appreciate if, you know, you're going through something and you need help, and it doesn't matter if it's a cannabis case or not. If you're just going through something and you need help, and I'm, I, my phone's with me all the time, and you're more than welcome to call me. My number is 419-863-0498. I'll always listen. I just ask that you guys come out tomorrow. Or even in spirit, just be there for us 1 o'clock tomorrow in Salina, Ohio, um, Mercer County. That's 101 North Main Street in Salina, Ohio, uh, 1 o'clock. And, and we greatly appreciate it. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you standing and fighting. And I will certainly be there in spirit on Halloween Day. Um, but I mean that. You know you know I mean that. And, and you know, we've talked about how so many people are, are, you know, kind of placate you and, oh, yeah, I'm there. Hey, we're, we're, we're there in spirit. And, and, you know, they're off partying while you're, while you're fighting for your freedom. But some of us actually <clears throat> really do care and are there in spirit. And, <clears throat> you know, those are the things that, that, that absolutely make a difference. The Human Solution International is an education support organization, civil rights, and <clears> – <throat> You know what? When we say support, we mean it. Um, there are people that have um, given credit to our members for their actual lives, saying that they were uh, suicidal and they got a hold of, of one or more of our of our members and they they just talked to them. And, right. Um, well, hey, you I, know, speaking of you know members and supporting. We got, you know, Peter and Helen, that's the New York chapter, they, you know, they're the traveling chapter now. They're going to come to court support. You know, that, that's what, you know, that's what the organization's about. And, and I love the support that the Human Solution has. I've, I've been involved with other organizations, but when, when like you said, Joe, when, when people say that they're there in spirit, you can definitely feel it. And you definitely know it from this organization and from the people that's involved with it. Uh, greatly appreciative of, of everybody that's, you know, the Human Solution family. And, I, I you know, it, it's awesome. And I greatly appreciate you, Joe, for starting this. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, I just want to see uh, this cause get knocked back and we can take on something else like, I don't know, child slavery or, you know, something that's actually like a real problem, you know, that, that we could actually fix. This is such a ridiculous thing that we even have to deal with that it drives me nuts every single day. So, uh, but meanwhile, keep the fight going and uh, keep me up to speed. Call me when you get done with your, uh, your hearing. I want to know, I want to know what happened when it happened. So 
Appreciate All everything you guys. I will do that. Keep your heads held high. Right on. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Glenn and Peggy Keeling, Creative Care Beacon Chapter of the Human Solution International from Ohio. All right, well, I see Tom Corby is on the line, and um, we'll get to him very shortly. I've got a couple more thoughts to lay out on you. Um, number one, we I'm super proud. I was hoping Candace would be here, but Candace Dyer and uh, her group has uh, taken on the Human Solution International as a chapter. And so now we have a Texas chapter of the Human Solution International. And um, it's really exciting because, uh, again, another strong leader um, and her whole team. And, you know, she's doing this great work already, and we're doing this great work. Oh, we're kind of doing the same thing. Well, why don't we join forces? That's the thing we've been trying to do for so long, and it's finally starting to happen. So um, we'll be talking more and more about that if I can figure the Zoom thing out. You know, it's funny because I did an interview on her show on Monday, and we had the Zoom working. And then I did an interview on Peter's show yesterday, and we had the Zoom working. But on my show, I don't have the Zoom working. So um, at least it's working enough that you can see me, and hopefully next time we'll have my guests where you can see them as well. Um, so the new chapter, I'm super, super, super excited. I've been trying for six or seven years to get a chapter going in Texas, and I've had – I don't know, four or five different people that were going to do it but never did. So now we're official. we got a charter going, and uh, it, it's going to grow. We're going to be walking right through Texas in our walk for change. Next, I've been talking about leadership. I've been talking about um, making change. I've been talking about working together. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I believe that, we have what there's called an 80-20 rule, and what that rule says generally in most things in your life, 20% uh, of the effort or 20% of your effort will get 80% of the things done, which means generally we waste 80% of our effort or 80% of the influences on us are wasting our time and 20% of them are getting it done. I am narrowing that even down to the 1090. I think 10% or less of the people in my world are getting 90% of the work done, and um, it's just the way it is. Everybody has a reason, a, a season, or a lifetime, a purpose, and it doesn't diminish anybody's anything. But if you're motivated and you're focused and you want to really make some change, um, you want to up your game, there's a team of leaders that's building and growing and getting better trained and better educated and better capable, and that's what's happening right now. And I, I'm working really hard to be able to to help this. And um, one of the things that I'm looking at is, you know, what, what makes this work? What makes leaders lead? What makes these things happen? And I'm studying mentorship right now because that's one of the things that, that uh, strong leaders will always take on uh, uh, a mentor role. And I think that that's what we are to each other. We're all mentors to each other if we do it right. And a saying that came to me, and, and, I, and it, it sunk home, and it was simply like this. People will not follow you because of the cause you support. 
but they'll follow you because they believe in you. And I think that that's what's important right now is I need to work with people that I can believe in, people that care enough, that, 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 that have their heart and soul in this. And, you know, I think that that's what's developing right now is this leadership team. <clears throat> and we've set up, I, I just yesterday uh, posted a, a, an article, a blog post on the Human Solution website, thsintl.org, and um, I'm putting up a mentorship program, and I'm looking for people uh, that want to be a part of something bigger, that want to help out, that want to sharpen their leadership skills, that want to do better at what they're doing. They want to work with people that want to that want to do this, and I'm going to be putting some <clears throat> sharp, focused attention on that 10%, the 10% of the people in my life that are getting 90% of the work done. <clears throat> I'm going to be doing a lot of intensive one-on-one -on -one with some of these folks in addition to the conference calls that we're already doing and the shows that we're doing and all that, but this is going to be one-on-one -on -one work, and I'm going to be giving my heart and soul to this. So um, if you're interested in something like that, get on the website, thsintl.org, and, and take a look at it. Final note, we're going to be um, bringing our website to a new platform. So if you guys have seen the website for the Walk for Change, um, that's walk4change.us, and it's a pretty nice platform, and it has a lot of good features, and it's a pretty professional-looking website. And um, we're going to be taking our nonprofit, thsintl.org website, and moving it over to that platform so it will have all the same capabilities um, with all of our great information and messaging. So that's going to be happening soon. Excuse me, I'm spitting all over the place. Soon and shortly. And um, I think that's pretty much the show I've got for you guys today. So I hope we still got Tom Corby. A bunch of people just dropped off, and this is something that happens sometimes mechanically. Uh, but let's just see. Hopefully we got Tom Corby with us, and he can help me close the show down. Tom Corby, you're live on the air. Welcome to the show. Oh, I thank you, Joe. Uh, always a coffee party radio show another historical show uh not not to forget uh lisa uh, becca mary and george monterano and all those on the front lines coming together to end prohibition this is our goal and vision at the human solution international when i say international did you know back when after don and i spent four days in jail now uh, we got out and I connected with the Human Solution International and Joe Grumbine. And what we've learned since then, uh, we never make deals. We always take them to trial. Uh, we always get all our discovery. For if you don't know what's up, what you're up against, how can you win your case, and how can we advocate? We always... So the 995 probable cause dismiss motion, most of the times uh, there is no probable cause. There's no warrant. And by the way, that's also entrapment, I believe. So I want to thank all the great speakers today. Back then, Joe and I made basically when I joined International. Uh, I'm always already... Uh, a coordinator in uh, Butte County, North California. 
so uh, I was able to connect with a lot of people and uh, coming together, agreeing to disagree and put a risk aside and, and we must end prohibition. No one should be in prison and spend their life in jail for a plant. Uh, I'm here today uh, with my good friend, Frank Canan. Who knows very well, Suzanne. We also we want to thank you all again for your sending love support for both of Donna. It's tough getting old. Uh, I'm glad to hear Becca, uh, uh, and we thank thank uh, Becca for cleaning job today. That Becca's doing better, and she's got the job of caretaker. What's that say, man? Dari's his aunt. And did you know that, that I'm only 76 years old? I'm the one of my family. What's that say? Don't you think that what you put in your body, you don't take care of yourself, you're going to I tell these young kids, they come, and they put in all this really good stuff for these artists. Awesome plants that were grown with Frank and Ann. He's a master grower. You <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, why, why would you do that and then eat McDonald's? Point being. So, uh, Frank, uh, and what would we do without these two here? I just don't know. Now, that's what friends are for. We come together and uh, we help each other and we put our risks aside. And uh, as hard as it is sometimes, we just agree to disagree and we we focus on our challenge and our goal and vision and prohibition. Uh, I want to thank everybody today. Uh, uh, Bob Jarrett just got out of the hospital. Uh, He's going to be back, Frank, November 21st, hopefully for surgery. And uh, he's doing better now, and uh, we're sending good vibes to friend uh, Bob up there in uh, northern, way northern California, up in Crescent City. So uh, thank you all today, and, and come come together and, and volunteer to help you this You can be next. A lot of times people don't get the message. I didn't either until I went to jail and realized that, did you know, there's 50 prisoners in federal prison for five people for our plan. This is unacceptable, and we must come stand our ground and do what we can to deschedule cannabis. There should be no schedule. We also know that Legalization is just more laws and regulations. Legalize, legalize. We hope that that overall that uh, legalization. I don't even use the word much anymore. Is at least a step to any prohibition. Uh, thank you, Dan, Joe, and we need to get you up here to NorCal. Uh, you're way overdue. No, you don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and give, give that sweet wife of yours Liz a hug from Tom and Donna. Really <laughs> yeah. Okay. And 
uh, as always, Donna would say, and she's doing better. Uh, don't forget to breathe. Uh, I think it's time to bring in Willie. Thank you, Joe, and all today. Awesome. All right, Tom, always a pleasure. NorCal chapter, Frank Canan and all the whole team up there. Happy Hill. I want to thank everybody that helped make the show amazing and uh, all the people that are helping uh, to change the world and all of the people who have decided to be a part of the solution. I want to thank you, and we will see you all I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.